we know you can't get enough of your favorite flavors. Luckily, Kroger Free Pickup makes it easy to grab what you need without any surprise fees. Whether it's extra buns for the barbecue or those chips you just can't quit, start your cart with the Kroger app. Kroger, fresh for everyone. $35 order minimum restrictions may apply, subject to availability. It's the big $10 sale, so mix and match and get two, three, four, five, or even 10 for $10 with your card. So many great deals. Kroger, fresh for everyone. to Too Good To Be True. Thank you for taking the time to listen. We'd like to dedicate today's show to Art Bell, who passed away a few days ago. Our deepest sympathies are with Art's loved ones. The subject of today's show is alien abductions, starting with Barney and Betty Hill. Also included are the stories of Travis Walton and Betty Andreessen. Before we start getting into details, let's just briefly talk about psychic insight and how we apply it. Before I do that, today there is some content that may not be appropriate for younger people unless accompanied by an adult. As usual, we choose a subject, then research the background, and based on that research, we determine what we think needs to be explained by creating a series of questions. Then Justina provides psychic insight to answer those questions. The psychic insight is narrated towards the end of the show. Accepting the psychic insight is a question of individual belief. Now let's go through the disclaimers. Here are the disclaimers. Neither of us claim to have any expertise in any subjects that we discuss. We relate information we find through research in the Psychic Insight. We are always delighted to hear from the listeners. This show only lasts an hour. We don't have the time to present exhaustive research on any topic. This means that there will be information that we miss. We want to provide a basis for the Psychic Insight. We don't care if the theory turns out too good to be true, as the show name suggests. We're only interested in finding out more of the truth about topics. Spirit can only relate insight that is appropriate for our time in history. Free will cannot be affected. Only comments that are appropriate for our time can be given through the psychic insight. Much of the subject matter in shows may have already been covered many times in other media. We want to look into subjects in a new, different way and be thought-provoking. We are not so good with pronouncing names, we apologize. And neither of us have any particular knowledge of extraterrestrials or alleged human abductions by extraterrestrials. If we have misstated anything, we apologize. Today we're going to discuss alien abductions starting with Barney and Betty Hill. This is totally your idea. Why choose the subject? Because if any of the stories are true, we will have to think more deeply about the world we live in. How widespread is the belief in extraterrestrials visiting planet Earth and perhaps abducting humans? According to a 2012 National Geographic poll, 77% of Americans believe that extraterrestrials have visited Earth. A 2014 survey for a British talk show found that 4% of respondents believe they have been abducted by extraterrestrials. You have to be careful with polls. The answer often depends how the question is phrased. Also, if you're going to be involved in a survey, you are perhaps more likely to respond if something in the survey is in your experience. That's correct, but those percentages represent millions of people. So a lot of people believe in abductions by extraterrestrials. Before we get into the stories of of abductees, I think we have to look at alternative uh, explanations. Do some people think they've been abducted when they really haven't been? Researchers at Harvard University, led by Professor Richard McNally, studied the psychology of alien abductees for 10 years. The result of that research was that there are five main characteristics of people claiming to be abductees. These are as follows. Regularly experiencing sleep paralysis and hallucinations when awakening, tendency to recall false memories, high levels of absorption, new age beliefs, and a familiarity with the cultural narrative of alien abduction. What does high levels of absorption mean? That mostly means susceptibility to hypnosis and suggestion under hypnosis. Many alien abductees relay their experiences under hypnosis. The hypnotist may ask questions with presumption of abduction, with the result that the subject has the idea of abduction having occurred planted in their mind. What are New Age beliefs? Is there a good definition? I think we can just say that people that 
are more spiritual, possibly believing in alternative medicine and healing, as well as astrology and fortune-telling, could be described as New Age. So if you take all the five characteristics together, a reasonable assumption is that people that claim to be abductees had some prior belief that it could be possible and were familiar with the subject. Let's talk about Barney and Betty Hill. Hypnosis played a big part in their story. There are books written about the incident, including Captured, authored by Kathleen Marden and well-known ufologist Stanton Friedman. Kathleen Kathleen Marden is the late Betty Hill's niece and the book's major author. Here's a quote from a review of the book in the Skeptical Inquirer magazine from 2007. Quote, the story of the alleged UFO abduction of Betty and Barney Hill in New Hampshire in 1961 is well known to the public. It was an alleged close encounter followed by amnesia, missing time and frightening dreams. Later, the missing memories were recovered by a psychiatrist using hypnosis. Under hypnosis, both Hills told a harrowing tale of abduction and medical examination aboard an extraterrestrial craft, unquote. What were the actual events that were recorded before the psychiatrist became involved? On September 19, 1961, the couple were driving home from a vacation. Here is a quote from the ThoughtCo website. Quote, at about 10 p.m., Barney, who was driving, saw a star which seemed to move erratically. He told Betty about it, and they both kept tabs on it as they drove along. They were just north of North Woodstock when Barney noticed that the star was moving in a very unusual manner. When they arrived at Indian Head, they stopped the car and got out to have a better look. Using binoculars, Barney zoomed in on what he thought was a star. This was no star. He could make out different colors of lights and see several rows of windows around the flying craft. The object moved closer and now Barney could actually see people inside the ship. Was this strange flying object being piloted by humans? The next thing the Hills recall was being frightened by the unusual flying object and the occupants inside of it. Barney scurried back to the car where Betty was waiting. They jumped into the car and raced down the highway looking for the object. They found that it was now gone. As they drove on, they began to hear a beeping sound, once, then again. Although they had been driving only a couple of minutes, they were 35 miles down the road, unquote. So there was missing time and distance. Did anyone else see the UFO? Betty called nearby Peace Air Force Base. Apparently one version of the story is that she was told that a UFO was confirmed by radar. Another version of the story is that she was told she had mistaken the UFO for the planet Jupiter. That seems a bit odd, just calling a military base and getting an immediate answer that a UFO was confirmed by radar. I would have thought that they would have kept information like that from the general public. But the story didn't end there, did it? Here's a further quote from the ThoughtCo website. Quote, but soon Betty began to have nightmares. In her dreams, she would see her and her husband being physically forced into some type of craft. Before long, two writers heard about the Hills story and contacted them. The Hills, with the aid of the writers, compiled a time chart of the events of September the 19th. There could be no doubt that the couple had lost about two hours of time somewhere along the way. As news of the UFO sighting became more commonplace, the Hills were forced to hide from reporters as much as possible. Because of the missing time element and the desire to know what, if anything, had happened during the time, they decided to contact a psychiatrist. They decided on Boston psychiatrist and neurologist, Dr. Benjamin Simon, well known in his field, unquote. Dr. Simon conducted regressive hypnosis. After six months of sessions, his expert opinion was that Betty and Barney had been taken aboard an unknown spacecraft. What details came out of the hypnosis sessions? Here's yet another quote from the ThoughtCo website. Quote, some of the memories were... Memories that were uncovered from the hills included that their automobile had stalled on the road. The UFO landed in the middle of the road and alien beings came to their car carrying both Betty and Barney to the UFO. They were subjected to various medical and scientific tests before the aliens released them. They were hypnotized in order to keep their capture a secret. During the intensive intensive regression sessions, the hills would describe their captors as Bald-headed alien beings, about five foot tall with grayish skin, pear-shaped heads, and slanting cat-like eyes. This description very much described what would become known as the greys, now a standard description for the small beings with large heads, small mouths, and little or no ears, and hairless. 
Also, details were released about the actual procedures performed on the hills. Both physical and mental experiments were conducted. Samples were taken of their skin, hair, and nails. Betty had gynecological testing, and Barney reluctantly revealed that sperm samples were taken from him. Unquote. That seems like a lot of work on the hills in just two hours. How well is their story believed? The story is not over yet. There is a star map and the material found on Betty's dress. For the star map, apparently the leader of the extraterrestrials who spoke English showed Betty a map of trade and exploration routes between stars with the sun and the extraterrestrials home star included. Under hypnosis, Betty was able to sketch a recollection of the star map. But there are billions of stars. How could someone make a match? A teacher called Marjorie Fish made an incredible effort and made a match. Match suggested that the extraterrestrials were far were from the constellation of Reticulum, which is 39.5 light years away from the solar system. But as the sketch was made from memory, the match will obviously be only as good as the memory freed under hypnosis. Apparently, later on, Marjorie Fish wasn't convinced that the match was correct. What about the material found in Betty's dress? Betty found pink powder on her dress that had been torn in several places. Subsequently, five laboratories have conducted chemical and forensic analysis. The material was analyzed as biological matter of mostly protein and a small amount of natural oil. Was that the end of the story? There were highly polished concentric circles on the trunk of, hills, of the hill's car that would make the needle of a compass spin. Also, neither of the couple's wristwatches would rewind and never worked again. We'll have to go into a short break here, and after the break, we'll move on to the next abduction story, which is Travis Walton. But you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the X-Zone Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the X-Zone Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on TV plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. 
As this is the first book in the esoteric series, modern esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we were talking about the Hill story about their alien abduction or so-called alien abduction. But let's move on to the next abduction story, which is Travis Walton. I haven't heard that story. A movie was made called Fire in the Sky in 1993 based on the book The Walton Experience, published in 1978. Walton had his own website dedicated to his experience. He also authored the 1997 book Fire in the Sky, which was an updated version of his earlier book. What was the experience? This is a brief account from Wikipedia, and I quote, According to Walton, on November 5th, 1975, he was working with a lumbering crew in the Pocky Sangreus National Forest near Snowflake, Arizona. While riding in a truck with six of his co-workers, they encountered a saucer-shaped object hovering over the ground approximately 110 feet away, making a high-pitched buzz. Walton claims that after he left the truck and approached the object, a beam of light suddenly appeared from the craft and knocked him unconscious. The other six men were frightened and supposedly drove away. Walton claimed that he awoke in a hospital room being observed by three short, bald creatures. He claimed that he fought with them until a human wearing a helmet led Walton to another room where he blacked out as three other humans put a clear plastic mask over his face. Walton has claimed he remembers nothing else until he found himself walking along a highway with a flying saucer departing above him. What happened after Walton reappeared? Here is another quote from the Wikipedia article. In the days following Walton's UFO claim, the National Enquirer awarded Walton and his co-workers a $5,000 prize for the best UFO, UFO case of the year. After the allegedly passed polygraph test administered by the Enquirer and the Aerial Phenomenon Research Organization, APRO, Walton, his older brother, and his mother were described by the Navajo County Arizona, Chief, or Arizona Sheriff as longtime students of UFOs. Some ufologists believe Walton was abducted by aliens. Ufologist Jim Ledwith said for five days, the authorities thought he had been murdered by his co-workers and then he was returned. All of the co-workers who were there, who saw the spacecraft, they all took polygraph tests and they all passed except for one. And that one was inconclusive, end quote. I'm sure that there was a lot of skepticism, especially with all the publicity was there an effort to shoot down the story? UFO researcher Philip J. Class claimed that the entire story was a hoax. He considered the polygraph or lie detector testing to be flawed, with Walton telling his story for financial gain. A psychologist also weighed in with a connection to Betty and Barney Hill. Here is a further quote from the Wikipedia article. Cognitive psychologist Susan Clancy argues that alien abduction reports began only after stories of extraterrestrials appeared in films and on TV, and that Walton was likely influenced by the NBC television movie The UFO Incident, that aired two weeks before his own claimed abduction and dramatized the alien abduction claims of Betty and Barney Hill. Clancy noted the rise in alien abduction claims following the movie and cites classes' conclusions that after viewing this movie, any person with a little imagination could now become an instant celebrity, concluding that one of those instant celebrities was Travis Walton, end quote. Who else tried to attack Travis Walton's credibility? In 2008, Walton appeared on the U.S. game show The Moment of Truth. Contestants answer a series of 21 increasingly personal and embarrassing questions to receive cash prizes. Walton was asked if he, in fact, was abducted by a UFO on November the 5th, 1975, to which he replied yes. The lie detector used on the show determined that to be a lie. That's interesting but confusing because after the incident, Walton's co-workers who claimed that they had seen 
the spacecraft had not failed police lie detector tests. Did Walton undergo any hypnosis after the event? Yes, he did. Here's a quote from Walton when asked if only remembered his experience under regressive hypnosis. And I quote, No, I did not recall any experiences under hypnosis that I could not remember before. The hypnosis did help me verbalize my experience in greater detail without being overwhelmed by anxiety, but did not help me regain any lost memories, end quote. The statement seems contrary to the website UFO Evidence, which states the following. Walton's actual memories of his experience include a frightening but brief and unviolent confrontation with large-eyed alien beings with pupils as opposed to the standard up to grays, followed by an encounter with silent and seemingly bemused humans of exotic appearance who escorted and tranquilized him. Are these memories, some assisted with hypnotic regression, an accurate and literal reflection of reality? Like the UFO problem itself, the ultimate explanation of the Walton disappearance remains a protracted mystery, end quote. But I have no idea what is meant by the greys. The greys or grey aliens are are supposed extraterrestrial beings whose existence is discussed in paranormal and ufological circles. They have a unique skin color, hence their name. In the United States, 43% of extraterrestrial sightings describe gray aliens. With that, I think we should move on to the third story, that of Betty Andreasson from 1965. Why do you think that this particular story is so interesting? Because the story, rather, took so long to come out. Again, hypnosis was used to reveal details. Here's an account of the incident from the Bibliotech Appleyard website. Quote, on the evening of January the 25th, 1967, Betty Andreasson was in her kitchen at South Ashburnham, Massachusetts. Her seven children, mother and father, were in the living room. At about 6.35 p.m., the house lights suddenly blinked out for a moment. Then a pulsating reddish-orange light shined in the kitchen window. Betty calmed the frightened children while her father rushed to look out the kitchen window. He saw a strange-looking small creature. He saw a group of strange-looking small creatures approaching with a hopping motion. Five small humanoid creatures entered the house, passing right through the wooden door. Betty's family was immediately placed under suspended animation. One creature went over to her father. The leader of the other four established telepathic communication with Betty. The leader was about five feet tall. The others were about four feet tall. All had large pear-shaped heads, wide cat-like wraparound eyes and diminutive ears and noses. Their mouths were immobile slits, reminded Betty of scar lines. Each wore a coverall blue uh, uniform adorned with a Sam Brown type belt. An insignia of a bird was affixed to their sleeves. Their hands had three digits. They wore boot-like attire on their feet. They floated rather than walked, unquote. Sam Brown belts are belts with shoulder straps. This all sounds like a scene from a bad movie. But what happened next? I will continue quoting from the same article. Quote, Betty's initial fright was immediately calmed by an overpowering sense of friendship. When she displayed concern for her family's welfare, the creatures temporarily released her 11-year-old daughter, Becky, from this strange state of unawareness to assure Betty that she was all right. Then Betty was taken outside and brought on board a small craft resting on the side of a hill that sloped into the backyard. The machine was about 20 feet in diameter, It looked like two saucers, one inverted upon the other with a small superstructure on top. The small craft accelerated and apparently merged with a larger parent craft in which Betty was subjected to the effects of strange equipment and a physical examination. Then she was taken to an alien place and given a bizarre object lesson that caused her to undergo a painful yet ecstatic religious-like experience. Later that night at 10.40 p.m., Betty was returned home by two of her alien captors. At home, she found her family still in a state of suspended animation, one one being had stayed behind and watched over them during their absence, sorry, her absence. Then the beings put the family still under some type of mind control to bed and the aliens left. Several times the aliens had told Betty that certain things had been locked in her mind. She was instructed to forget them and her UFO experience until the appointed time. 
She consciously remembered only a fraction of the strange encounter, the power failure, the colored light flashing through the window, and the aliens entering the house, unquote. What happened afterwards? Nothing much at all because the incident didn't get reported by Betty until eight years later in 1975, when Betty contacted Dr. J. Allen Hynek, the founder of the Center for UFO Studies, which is CUFOS. This followed the publication of an article in a local paper asking the public for accounts of UFO experiences. Why didn't Betty report the incident earlier? If only a fraction of it is true, it still is pretty incredible. Recall that she consciously only remembered the blinking light, the colored light flashing through the window and the extraterrestrials entering the house. Betty apparently didn't think in terms of extraterrestrials and, and thought more in terms of her religious beliefs that the creatures were angelic in nature. She wasn't aware of the subject of UFOs. She didn't think of the experience in terms of extraterrestrials for a long time after the incident had occurred. What happened after Dr. Hynek was contacted? Betty's information with its few details was forgotten about until 1977 when an investigation was conducted for Hynek Center for UFO Studies. This lasted a year and included an extensive character reference check, two polygraph tests, a psychiatric interview, and 14 hypnotic regression sessions. It was reported that under hypnosis, Betty and her daughter provided consistent stories with genuine psychological reactions. So the bulk of the story came out during hypnosis, but what happened following the investigation? I think we'll have to take that after the break, Justina. Why don't you take us into the break? Yes, we'll continue with Betty's account of her supposed alien abduction and then get to the questions and the psychic insight after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xcbn.net. Broadcast studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, to the world and beyond. You're watching the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Did you know that when you're on the road with limited data or Wi-Fi, you can still listen to the Exxon Radio Show with Rob McConnell, The Science of Magic with Gwilda Wiaka, X-1, Dimension X, Space Patrol, and every minute of the Exxon Broadcast Network by calling 213-401-0080, courtesy of Audio Now. No smartphone, app, or internet needed. It saves your data plan, and it's free if you have unlimited minutes. Call 213-401-0080 to listen on any phone, anytime, anywhere. Remember 213-401-0080 for the best of the paranormal, parapsychology, and sci-fi radio programming anywhere, 24-7-365. 
Rob McConnell here, presenting an overview for Nicholas Paul Jinnix, author of a fascinating book, Amen. It presents facts revealed by Egyptologists, facts that enable us to understand why Amen is the beginning of creation of God. It provides recommendations for religious leaders of the major religions to unify their beliefs and teach the Word of God, love one another. Amen informs people how mankind conceived God. It was the Egyptians that developed the concepts of a soul, a hereafter, and son of God. And finally, after the worship of many gods, they conceived the belief in one universal God, the maker of all there is. For more information, visit www.futureofgodamen.com. That's www.futureofgodamen.com. Welcome back to Too Good to Be True. And before the break, we are going through Betty's supposed alien abduction account. And we are just discussing what happened following the investigation. So, Dad, if you could continue on this. Yes, the investigation team, including a solar physicist, an electronics engineer, an aerospace engineer, a telecommunications specialist, and a UFO investigator concluded in a 528-page report that the witnesses truly believe what they said happened, did happen, or not doubting their sanity or reliability as witnesses. Was that the end of the story? No, Betty and her second husband, Bob, who also believes he has been an abductee, wrote a book published in 2017 entitled A Lifting in the Veil. The authors claim after their story came to light that they were harassed by the military and government for years. Harassment really doesn't make any sense. Transcripts from sessions of hypnosis hardly constitute evidence. Without physical evidence, there doesn't seem to be much reason to discourage them from telling their story. Since the incident, Betty's father has since passed away. Her ex-husband has disappeared and the two sons from her first marriage have died in an automobile accident. The remaining family members who were there at the time are vague regarding details. Regarding physical evidence, I've heard about extraterrestrial objects having been implanted into people during abductions. Was there any discussion about that? Betty Andreessen revealed that on board the extraterrestrial craft, an object was removed from her body that had been implanted during an earlier encounter. Betty has recollections of extraterrestrial encounters since 1944. Have there been any cases where extraterrestrial implants have been located to provide physical evidence? When looking looking into this while recording episodes of the television series The X-Files, I came across two names that kept cropping up. Those are Dr. Roger Lear and Steve Colburn. Here's part of a bio for Dr. Lear from the website International UFO Congress. Quote, Dr. Roger Lear is a podiatric uh, surgeon and is considered one of the world's most important leaders in physical evidence research involving the field of ufology. He and his surgical team have performed 16 surgeries on alleged alien abductees. This resulted in the removal of 17 separate and distinct objects suspected of being alien implants, unquote. Here's the bio for Steve Colburn from the same website. Quote, Steve Colburn is a chemist and material scientist with over 20 years experience. He is currently working in the field of nanotechnology, specializing in carbon nanotubes. After meeting Dr. Roger Lear in 2008, he became chief scientist for Dr. Lear's ANS research organization and analyzed several objects that Dr. Lear had removed from his patients. Colberg's analyses revealed that these objects were sophisticated nanotechnological devices with complex structures made by a high technology civilization and which contain extraterrestrial material, unquote. Nanotechnology is a manipulation of matter on an atomic, molecular or multi-molecular scale. Nano comes from the unit of length nanometer, which is 10 to the minus nine meters, which is on a scale of the size of atoms. For example, a silicon atom has a diameter of about two tenths of a nanometer. So devices that have been taken from live human bodies are believed to be extraterrestrial in origin because the technology is beyond current technology. Why hasn't that been in the news? 
I couldn't find any articles from the mainstream news outlets. There is a documentary movie from 2017 called Patient 17, which features Dr. Lear and Steve Colborn. Here's a storyline from the Internet Movie Database website. Quote, meet a surgeon who claims to remove highly advanced implants, nanotechnology, microstrips, microchips, sorry, embedded by aliens, non-humans monitoring our Earth. Discover the world of abduction, scalar wave transmissions, and a program to study or manipulate the human race. Armed with a patient, a scalpel, black lights, and a stud finder, we seek to verify the authenticity of this alleged off-world implant technology, unquote. The um, rating on the website, the uh, IMDB website, is 3.5, which is about as low as the ratings get. Reviews suggest that the main issue with the movie is the evidence, which apparently is either hard to understand or is just not there. What is scalar wave transmission? A scalar wave is a type of electromagnetic wave that isn't described by known physics. So it's transmission of something we don't understand. But I think it's time for the first question. Is there something special about the psychology of people that claim they have been abducted by extraterrestrials as researched by Richard McNally and his team at Harvard University. Yes and no. The problem is that each person's psychology is very a very individualistic characteristic. So yes, there is a general pattern, but each person is very individualized. So when alien abductions occur, it is not just because of their psychological means. It's also because of other things going on in their lives. Is it a reasonable assumption that people that claim to be abductees had some prior belief that it could be possible and were familiar with the subject? No, there's many different people who really do not believe until their supposed abduction occurred. What was the strange flying object that Barney and Betty Hill saw with the different colored lights and the rows of windows? A UFO. Who were the beings that Barney Hill could see inside the flying object? Beings from a place not of Earth. What was the beeping sound heard after the flying object disappeared? That was basically the sound from the object that was delayed because of how it traveled. How could the hills only driving for two minutes be 35 miles down the road? That's how time is very interesting construct, since sometimes it can be adapted and morphed into something else. Did the beings in the UFO change time? They stopped time in the vicinity around them, yes. Did the local Air Force base pick up a UFO on radar? Yes. Did the Hills mistake the UFO for the planet Jupiter? No. Did Betty Hill have nightmares reliving her and her husband being physically forced into some type of craft? Yes. How did the Hills lose two hours of time after seeing the flying object? Again, time can be manipulated in different ways. After six months of sessions, was Dr. Benjamin Simon correct in his opinion that Betty and Barney had been taken on board an unknown spacecraft? Yes. Did the Hills car stall in the road? Yes. Were they both carried by extraterrestrials into the unknown craft? Yes. Were Betty and Barney subjected to medical and scientific tests? Yes. Were samples taken of skin, nails and hair? and different other parts of them, so the technology is a lot more advanced. So different samples of bone and things like that could also be taken. Were they subject to mental experiments? That could be said. Was Betty subject to gynecological testing with biological matter taken from Barney? Not exactly, so that's not 100% correct. Were the extraterrestrials best described as being what are termed gray aliens? Yes. How could all the testing described during hypnosis be completed in two hours? Because the technology is a lot different than the technology of this Earth. Was Betty Hill's recollection of the star map correct? Yes. What was the pink powder found on Betty Hill's dress? It was a type of powder used for experimentation, so it can't exactly be said what it's for, but it's for a certain test they performed. So it was from the spacecraft? Yes. What were the highly polished concentric circles on the trunk of the hill's car that would make the needle of a, of a compass spin? They were basically leftovers from what the beings did. Did they move or do something with the car? 
Yes. Why would neither of the couple's wristwatches rewind and work again? They were broken by the different electromagnetic fields that were present. So in summary, the accounts of Betty and Barney Hill under hypnosis were accurate? Yes. Changing subject to Travis Walton, was there a saucer-shaped object hovering over the ground approximately 110 feet away from the truck, making a high-pitched buzz? Yes. Did Travis Walton leave the truck and approach the object to be knocked unconscious by a beam of light from the saucer-shaped object? Yes. Did Walton awake in a hospital-like room being observed by three short, bald creatures? In his mind, yes. Did Walton fight them until a human wearing a helmet led Walton to another room where he blacked out as three other humans put a clear plastic mask over his face? They were not humans, but yes. Were experiments run on Travis Walton while he was in that saucer-shaped object? Yes. Did Walton remember nothing else until he found himself walking along a highway with a flying saucer departing above him? Yes. Where was Walton for the five days he was missing? There were certain beings doing experiments on him. Was UFO researcher Philip J. Class correct in claiming that the entire story was a hoax? No, some parts of his recollection were not 100% correct, so there were no humans involved like he remembered, and some of the details are sketchy. However, it was not a full hoax. Why did Travis Walden have so much trouble with lie detector tests after the event? Because it was not supposed to come out at the time that the beings took him. And let's just say that beings can take people to do experimentation, and they can also mess with technology. And lie detector tests are not 100% accurate also. So there's this combination that lie detector tests can't be a reliable source to begin with. Was Walton influenced by the story of Ernie and Betty Hill being at a time recently broadcast on television? Not exactly, more that he was influenced to come forward, but not to basically make up his story, like some people said. But we'll have to continue with the questions and the psychic insight about alien abductions after the short break. And you're listening to Too Good to Be True with Justina Marsh and Pete Marsh on the X-Zone Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simo TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. The new nonfiction book, Razor of Madness, is similar to cult movies like Clockwork Orange, Dragon's Tattoo, or The Other Side of Hell. Wayne Morin Jr. and Thomas Lee Howe will expose widespread and systematic deficiencies in this thought-provoking tell-all novel. Mind control rages among scholars in law schools. Human rights are ignored while thought reform and mental manipulation are accepted practices used as behavior modification. Dr. Louis Jolion West comes to mind. Media and public scrutiny shows that United States mental hospitals are in fact destructive murder industries. Razor of Madness Expose Novel details this epidemic through an in-depth professional and personal investigation. For decades there has been a revolving door policy that still releases killers and pedophiles back into society. The maestro of mind control continues to haunt America to this very day. Razor of Madness is available in paperback or as a downloadable ebook at Amazon.com. 
I'm William S. Peckham. If you enjoy a good mystery with a touch of the paranormal, then you'll love my novel, From Out of the Woodwork. It's the story of a young Toronto contractor, Sean Kennedy, who buys derelict homes, guts them, and turns them into multifamily dwellings, slums just waiting to happen. When Sean buys 29 Livery Lane, the house fights back. Former owners unexpectedly come out of the woodwork as he starts the destruction. The apparitions come to him when he touches old books, reads hidden letters, rummages through old boxes, finds a locket or reads a discovered manuscript of a murder mystery. From Out of the Woodwork will take you from 1899 to the horror of the World Trade Center, September 11, 2001. Check out From Out of the Woodwork on my website, www.williamspeckham.com. too good to be true and before the break we're going through the questions and the psychic insight about alien abductions so dad can you please continue with the questions sure why is regressive hypnosis necessary to recall buried memories because the brain decides what is important and for the conscious mind to remember and what's not important so some memories are put deep within the brain which hypnosis helps uncover them so take childhood memories, for example. A lot of these are repressed and easier under hypnosis to come forward since that's tapping in the subconscious mind, not the, con not, not the conscious mind. Uh, that's not the subconscious mind. If extraterrestrials would take away the conscious memory, why can't they take away the unconscious memory? Because the unconscious memory is tied directly to the soul. So you'd have to influence the soul and somehow harm the soul to be able to influence the subconscious mind. So the conscious mind is a lot easier since that's directly attached to humanity, being a human, etc. So the soul remembers everything which is tied to the unconscious memories. Can regressive hypnosis recall false memories even when the hypno hypnotist is not attempting to influence the subject? That is possible to happen, yes. Who were the extraterrestrials that were described by Travis Walton? They're beings from a different parallel universe. You've already answered this briefly, but is there such a being as a grey alien? They could be called that, yes, but the problem is that humans like to classify different aliens into different categories, which they kind of intertwine in ways. So there's, yes, categories, but a lot more than humans realize. Changing the subject to Betty Andreasson, on January the 25th, 1967, at about 6.35 p.m., did the house, house lights suddenly blink out for a moment, followed by a pulsating reddish-orange light shining in the kitchen window? Yes. Did five small humanoid creatures enter the house, passing right through a wooden door? No. Were the family immediately placed into suspended animation? No. Were the memories as described by Betty Andreasson false? So there were the original incidents of flashing of lights and seeing the light shining in, and her family was, you could say, experimented on. But the memories are replaced and were not correct. So these beings were complicated, where they inserted these small creatures getting them, when it really wasn't that. So they were experimented on, they were influenced, but the memories were false memories. So Betty and her family had false memories put into their minds? Correct. Was the report following the 12 months of hypnotic regression and other work by experts correct in finding that Betty Andreasson's daughter and herself truly believed that they said happened did happen while not doubting their sanity or reliability as witnesses? Yes. Did the investigation actually believe something else had happened and that these were false memories? Yes. How did the investigation team get the idea that something else had happened? Let's just say that there is knowledge of similar situations happening in a similar area. So there is information from a similar incident that has never been published? Correct. A lot of alien abductions are never published. So the accounts given by Betty and her daughter were correct in their own minds? Yes. Why have Betty Andreasson's family members experienced tragic events since the incident? Those are no correlation, so those tragic events are not related to the abduction. Did Betty Andreasson's second husband also experience an abduction? Yes. 
It was mentioned earlier that subconscious memories of soul memories could not be wiped out. So how could Betty and her family not retrieve the real memories during hypnosis? Because of how the hypnosis was performed. So it's difficult since hypnosis actually taps into subconscious memories. And sometimes it does not completely tap in. So the only real way that hypnosis would work 100% of the time is that if the soul could speak itself. So it's difficult with the brain since there are so many levels to it and getting to the right level of hypnosis is a difficult process. And especially when false memories are planted. Usually that's more difficult because the subconscious or the conscious mind remembers it. So there is more of this layer into tapping into the subconscious. So for example, in some cases, people have false memories of their parents and they really believe these. So then hypnosis would be more difficult to get to the real memories since now there is this layer of the conscious mind, the false memories, and then getting into the subconscious. Was Betty Andreessen subject to examination by strange equipment and to a physical examination? Yes. What is the purpose of these examinations reported for all of these abductions? To get human DNA and to study humans just like we study animals. What is the purpose of that study? It depends on which beings perform it. So it could be for observation, could be for much more darker reasons such as different breeding and darker reasons such as figuring out human weaknesses and preying on those. Why, why are certain people singled out for abduction while others are not? It really depends on what beings are involved or extraterrestrials are involved. But for the most part, it's usually in the more remote areas since it's easier to do than in a city. And also the participants are usually chosen because of some different characteristic they have. So it might be their family line, for example, that relatives are taken and they want someone related to their relatives to study. Or because they possess some quality that beings are looking for, such as a physical trait or psychological trait. Have these abductions been going on for thousands of years? Yes, but in ancient times, aliens were a lot more open about their presence. So in a lot of cases, the aliens would ask for different DNA samples, different studying of humans, and humans would be allowed to study them also. So there is more of a two-way communication. Why are humans of such great interest to extraterrestrials? Because humans are unique in a lot of ways, and for the most part, other aliens, beings, know of each other's existence, while humans are obviously not very aware of aliens' existence these days. What should a person do if they believe they have been abducted by extraterrestrials, especially with all the skepticism? It would be smart to share their story in their own way, which is very difficult since there will be negative feedback. But sharing their story is important since there will be a trend of which beings are visiting more than others. And a problem, too, is that when someone's abducted, there's a chance they may be abducted again. So it's important to make sure that someone's aware of it, since once they share their story, it's less likely they'll be abducted again. Are people sharing their stories without it being public knowledge? Yes. On board the extraterrestrial craft was an object removed from Betty Andreessen's body that had been implanted during an earlier encounter. Yes. Did Betty Andreessen have recollections of extraterrestrial encounters since 1944? Different ones, yes. So is there something special about Betty Andreessen that the extraterrestrials were interested in? Correct. Have something like 17 objects been removed from something like 16 subjects' bodies that have extraterrestrial origins? Yes. Are there similar surgeries that have involved removal of objects that have been hidden from the public? Yes. Can the objects removed from the subjects be described as being nanotechnology? In a way, yes, but it's still alien technology. So nanotechnology is more of a human construct, obviously. But in comparison, you can think of it as, yes, something very, very small and something very advanced. Is an issue that mankind's current state of nanotechnology is too primitive to recognize the nanotechnology of objects of apparent extraterrestrial origin removed from subjects' bodies? Yes, and on Earth there are different materials than other places, so the materials vary. Why did perhaps two of the world's most famous abductees, Betty Hill and Betty Andreessen, have the same first name? Just a coincidence. Are there abductions going on in less developed countries around the world that we're not being made aware of? And developed countries, so the wealthier situation of the, the wealthier situations of a person don't really matter to extraterrestrials.
Why is so much ridicule and scorn put on to people that claim they have been abducted by extraterrestrials? Because the concept that a being would have the power to take someone, experiment on them, and put them back on Earth seems very far-fetched. So there needs to be this belief in other beings that are other aliens, extraterrestrials, before this belief in abductions can really occur. And the most logical line of thinking usually when someone says they encounter an alien is to believe that something's psychologically wrong with them before believing their story. What can we learn from the subject of alien abductions? One, that if a person believes something, it doesn't always mean there's something psychologically wrong or that they're a liar. So there are situations that can't be explained, and it's all right if some people don't believe in alien abductions or believe in aliens. These people still need support because in their mind this is true, and they need the support from outsiders. So it's never something good to ridicule or say negative comments to these people since a person would not want that said back to them. So it goes back that if you don't have anything nice to say, just don't say it. But aliens, UFOs, abductions, etc. are becoming more and more common and more and more studied. So the takeaway is that it's okay if someone doesn't believe and believes in something different than you. But you also can't make fun or doubt others just because of difference of beliefs. That was the last answer. Is an alien abductee just an unfortunate victim telling the truth too good to be true? That depends on what you are prepared to believe. I'm not sure what is good in any of this, except apparently that none of these incidents were hoaxes and that the truth is coming out. I thought the really interesting part was details only coming back from the subconscious mind under hypnosis. If false memories were implanted, the experience would seem entirely real, yet an illusion. Yeah, that really surprised me. And also what surprised me was the um, the false memories of Betty Andreessen, um and that really uh, wrecked my uh, my questions. So I had to have a new set of questions uh, created on the fly. But anyway, before we go, just uh, another mention of Art Bell, because without his pioneering work, we would never be making this broadcast. Yes, and as always, if any of the listeners have any suggestions, you can either contact us at our Facebook page at Too Good To Be True or through our website at Too Good To, too good to Be True.net. And of course, thank you to all the listeners. And again, all our sympathies to Art Bell, his friends, his family. And as always, let's look forward to next week's show. Thank you. Modern Esoteric, Beyond Our Senses by Brad Olson, consummates the lifeology story about where humanity originates. It is the lost continents, the primitive wisdom, the mythos of creation, and the rethinking of ancient history as we are taught in academia. There is much more to the story than what we have been told. As this is the first book in the Esoteric series, Modern Esoteric starts at the beginning of time and accelerates up to this modern age. Future Esoteric is book two in the series and takes a forward-looking position ahead of today with an open and honest examination of the ET issue and various unexplained phenomena. To discover the writings of author Brad Olson, visit www.bradolson.com. That's www.bradolson.com. Are you or is someone you know struggling with addictions, depression, anxiety, relationships, low self-esteem, lack of confidence, grief, success, and prosperity? Do you know that your subconscious belief plays a big role in the outcome of your hard work? We can help you permanently change the beliefs that may be the reason for your struggles and failures. We care about getting you the return on your investment and the results you are looking for. We can help you be free of the limitations of your past and in realizing your highest potential. We work with people by phone and Skype. For more information, visit us at www.ritasoman.com. That's www.ritasoman.com. 
Do you think you have energy problems in your home? Do you feel better when you're away than when you're home? Joey Korn is a global leader in the world of dowsing who specializes in personal energy clearing and space clearing. He can help you create an ideal energy environment in your home no matter where you live in the world. Learn about his remote spiritual house cleaning services and much more at www.dowsers.com. You can get Joey's book, Dowsing, A Path to Enlightenment, as well as other dowsing books and tools, Kabbalah books, and Walter Russell books. Joey's work is really amazing. Go to dowsers.com right now. That's D-O-W-S-E-R-S dot com or call 1-877-DOWSING. That's 1-877-369-7464.